the pandemic was really weird on businesses. Mm -hmm. It changed a lot. And I'll tell you, you're going to see a lot of that shift in 2023. Right. As this economic challenge arises for companies all across sectors, you're going to see them look at things and go, okay, we gave you a lot of benefits. The, the tech companies did this. Yep. They're going to scale back some of those benefits. You don't get all like this happy, happy, joy, joy environment anymore. Mm -hmm. You're not going to have, I mean, they're, they're, they're cutting costs. 100%, yeah. And one of those things was this work from home culture. I think you're going to see a very big shift back to some type of hybrid, if not full-time work again. Right. And people, frankly, are getting a little weird that are working from home. Yeah. Not, it's not for everybody. Yeah, it, it's it's tough. It, it, it's, it can be challenging. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. You, you like to, you, go on. No, no, no this, is, this, is, this is your role. I know you like to do this. Well, go ahead, take it, dominate. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm your host, Saeed Omar. And sitting next to me, it's Chris Nahibi, who's really salty. I'm not salty. We just said we weren't going to introduce ourselves because we do that on the intro. Actually, ooh, we don't. You're I'm not, not on the intro. I'm not on the intro. I, yeah. you strategically that left me out. That sounds like a YP, not an MP. Yeah. <laughs> That's your problem. <laughs> your <homie>. problem. <laughs> not <Yeah>. my problem. <laughs> so this episode will air after the new year. It will. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, everyone. We hope that all your New Year's resolutions fail. No. <laughs> they, they will. Within two weeks. Because <laughs> you don't make New Year's resolutions. Everybody knows that. Yeah, I don't believe in them. You build new positive habits mm. because you want to change your life. Wow. Some Dave Ramsey would say. That is something. Well, we got, <laughs> got some for them later. Alex Ramosi, all yeah. them. You know, I'm just trying to be motivational because Saeed says motivational content is what keeps you guys listening. No, that's not what I said. That's what you said. No. I feel like it should have been what you said. Though. Help framing the mindset. Mm -hmm. You know what help frames my mindset? Tell me. Economic data. Yeah. Love it. Love it. I love the way we break it down. Do my sultry voice. Does it work like like yours does? No, you, you mumble. I do mumble. A little You're bit like the Migos. You're like the Migos of podcasting. You mumble. mumble raps big right now, bro. Yeah, you know yeah. what? I don't have time for this. Okay. According to MoneyWire, the Americans' personal savings have plunged to a staggering 520 billion from 4.85 trillion in 2020. Yep. The article goes on to say here are three easy ways to buck the dangerous downward trend, but let's forego the foreplay and jump right into the real important stuff. Mm -hmm. According to the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, the personal savings of Americans sits at $520 billion as of November 2022, a huge drop from the $4.85 trillion in 2020. Savings are now below pre-pandemic levels, shrinking by $100 billion since October. And this data is based in November. That's a single month, That's $100 
billion dollars down in savings for the consumer that's, in a single month. That's insane, man. I know that we talked about consumer credit card debt too went up. I think at the end of the third quarter, it increased by $40 billion. Yeah. that I mean, that number alone is staggering. And you're starting to see, although the it's not a whole lot, you're starting to see a lot of withdrawals from 401ks too. Which is really sad. I, I don't like when people do that. Right. I, just as, as like a person who, who really looks in and cares about personal finance and people in general, like that, that should be your last resort. And that, that's my fear, right? If that number is starting to tick up, albeit it's not a whole lot, but it is ticking up, that is some people's last resort. Yeah, no, it is. So if and, that number's ticking up, there's a, we have a major issue. And a lot of people dipped into it for the home purchases that we're buying in the last couple of years. That's true. Because homes are just so unaffordable mm -hmm. that they were like, fuck, well, we got to get the money from somewhere. We're going to get it from. We'll borrow from our, our 401k. But the value is supposed to go up for the next five years. Ooh, every year for the next five years, that, mm -hmm. that, that, that that's what it's going to do. Yeah, oh, it was, okay. that's what it was supposed to do. But it didn't. It didn't. A lot of some people not. are underwater. That's what we call in the industry kids foreshadowing to a subsequent article we'll talk about. But before we do, mm -hmm. I think it's important that we go down a little bit of the history of how the savings got to be where it's at. Yeah, Absolutely. So for those of you who do not recall, because two years ago was a long time, once upon a time, not long ago, there was a thing called a pandemic. And in the pandemic, the government did some stupid ass shit. Mm -hmm. Dumb. Dumb. We're going to give everybody stimulus checks while we shut down everything. Not just one round. Everything. Yeah, multiple rounds. Multiple rounds of stimulus checks. And then we're going to follow that up with the PPP program. Mm. Paycheck Protection Program. Mm. PPP. Damn. Yeah, you know me. <laughs> And everybody got checks. I mean, everybody got all this money. All that money led to, which I want to say somewhere around June of last year, this mm -hmm. year. Yeah. Uh, depending on when you're listening to the show, we're actually talking about in 2022, but you'll be hearing this in 2023. Right. Brian Moynihan, CEO of Bank of America, saying the consumer was in good shape because savings had been higher than average. Gone right. up. Right. And we said at the time, and by we, I mean Saeed Omar, the laureate. No, stop it. I'm just the idiot who works here. No. <laughs> and uh, we said at the time, that Brian Moynihan was smoking some crack rock. Yeah. Clearly not paying attention to the, to the data. Yeah, getting high. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we knew that that data was, was overly inflated and that the consumer spending, which was way too high. Even in March 2022, we were talking about how consumers should be pulling back and they didn't. Right. Jeff Bezos said before Black Friday, don't buy my stuff. Yeah, exactly. Save your money. You will need to save your money. Had several articles, which by the way... In some of the interviews that he had, mm -hmm. in addition to the articles on television, there's two that I saw, one of which had Lauren Sanchez, his girlfriend, in the Sitting interview. right next to him. Yeah, why? Man, I don't know. That, that's weird. Yeah. I mean, I sit next to you, but you're more than just a pretty face. <laughs> He's creepy looking, you're isn't beautiful he? Bezos? Yeah. Or Bezos, sorry. Be Bezos. Bezos. Yeah. Why is he creepy? Come on, man. Because the TRT, you're trying to take a shot at me? Is that yeah, what this is? what it is, yeah. You don't understand. You you're not part of the cult, okay? <laughs> Soon to be, though. Rich dudes with TRT, that's when us. I, when I turn 50, I'll take it, too. Oh, oh. man, that's painful. That's <laughs> insulting and hurtful. And I got to tell you, I thought we had more integrity on this show. Hey, we actually have some, based on the analytics, we have some people that are 50 years old to listen to the show. Don't, don't insult them. <laughs> you insult me and everybody else? Yeah. No, you, you, you're insulting them. Well, I'm, well, I'm a protected class. Yeah. Ironically, do you know that you're a protected class over the age of 40? Yes. I just found this out recently because someone said, oh, Chris, you're a protected class. I'm like, what? What? I am what? Oh. Over 40. I didn't know that. Protected for, class. For some reason, I thought that only applied to females. Well, now you know. No, now I know. Oh, yeah. cool. Me so and females. So that, that's what I'm striving for. Make it till I'm 40. Make it till you're 40. You get an extra couple days to sign yeah. documents and, and, and stuff like that. But Yeah. So wait, we we talked about, you know, people withdraw money from the 401ks, something that I don't know if pe people know that there's, there's a penalty associated with that, right? 
if you, you if you take it out before the age of 59 and a half, I think you, you have to pay taxes on it. You have a certain amount of time to pay it back without without significant tax consequences. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, then you get taxed pretty hard. Yeah, and you, you can actually call them. What some people are even doing is they're taking out loans against a 401k. And, you, and the interest you're paying on the loan goes back to yourself. Yeah, which ironically is a better way to do it because you can write off the interest and you can then subsequent. I mean, you could arbitrage it if your investment right. works out. But, but still... Uh, last resort option. You should last resort option. You shouldn't right, be doing it. Right. Anyway, so Bezos says Bezos says don't buy. People spend nine point one two trillion dollars on Black Friday, or was it billion, billion, billion. I don't remember. Trillion, billion. It's all the same. Yeah. Billion dollars on Black Friday for the record. Yeah, it was billion for a record. Consumer spending has still not really come down, and now you have savings that are falling off a cliff. Mm-hmm. So I will point out before I move on. I posted this on Twitter, and I never get any love on Twitter. I got like four hundred followers, nothing. <laughs> Like, it's terrible. <laughs> like, I mean, I get no love on Twitter. I might yeah. as well be talking to myself, right? <laughs> you got like, the blue check mark. Uh, yeah, well, I paid for it, eight bucks. <laughs> <laughs> You're just so honest. Yeah, it's, it's true. Yeah. Twitter blue, baby. Yeah. Um, that actually got over 80,000, as, as of today, got over 80,000 views and was retweeted by a number of people, not the least of which was Ben Baller and, and uh, Patrick Schwarzenegger. Mr. Schwarzenegger's son. Mr. Schwarzenegger's son. So I like to feel like I'm a celebrity now, and y'all just lucky to be here with me. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. TMZ waiting out front. Just TMZ. I don't think they're out front. I think we heard Gardner, though. Yeah. So segueing a little bit to some of the economic stress that we know is out there, Bloomberg Business in an Instagram post had an interesting post saying that Goldman Sachs will lay off staff in a matter of weeks, according to their CEO, David Solomon. Mm -hmm. David Solomon's got a wonderful reputation in the industry. I've seen him speak. I've been in New York around this dude, and he is extremely articulate. Yeah. I find it interesting that unlike Merrill Lynch, who's going to lay off, was it 8% of their workforce or 5%? Oh, this is, it was Goldman Sachs that was going to lay off 8%. It was 8%? Okay. Yeah. So he's coming out and he's actually making statements. And some of the statements here are interesting. Yeah. Goldman Sachs is working on a fresh round of staff cuts that will be unveiled in January. We are conducting a careful review. And while discussions are still ongoing, we anticipate our headcount reduction will take place in the first half of January. Right. CEO David Sullivan said in the traditional year-end message to staff. If you think about the, the messaging there as a leader, mm-hmm. he's not hiding it. You know, yes. he, he's saying- He's coming out in front and saying it, right. We got to do this. He knows that Wall Street's watching and he's going to have call, you know earnings calls and all these things. But more importantly, he's being extremely genuine with his employees. Yeah. In very matter of fact, and you can look at it as cool or, you know, harsh, but he, he's trying to suggest they're being pragmatic. They're thinking about it. They're doing what needs to be done. Right. I don't know that, that that's- Anything besides good leadership, frankly. Yeah, he, yeah. He's saying the hard thing. He's saying the hard thing and putting people on notice. Now, um, you know, the jobless claims numbers came out and they ticked at 225,000, right? Still nothing to be alarming, right? But I looked into it. So economists see anything above 270,000 uh, for new benefit claims being a red flag for the labor market, which... Well, red I know, fla- I know, I know. I mean, let's just back that up a little bit. A red flag for the labor market in that there was a larger than expected or a larger increase. Right. But what I would say is that in and of itself does not necessarily move the needle as far as the unemployment number goes. Exactly. And it doesn't. But so Goldman Sachs actually has 38% more staff than what they had in 2018. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, cutting 4,000 jobs, there's they still have more staff than they did back then. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, that, this is the way it works. And, mm-hmm. And a lot of sectors like this. And so we had, let's, let's go through the, like the history right here. So you had, initially it was the non-bank lenders. Mm-hmm. Then you had the tech sector. 
Now you've got Wall Street and banks that are feeling the pressure of this unprecedented seven Fed interest rate increases, arguably going to be nine. Right. Right. There's going to be more after them. These right. are just the first three. There are a lot of sectors. Hospitality. Right. Travel. Uh, retail. Um, you name it. That are still out there. Right. The job jobless claims, though, that's actually considered, it's not considered a lagging indicator. Right. Unemployment is considered lagging. Yeah. Jobless claims is actually viewed as a leading indicator. That, so we've we've started to hear from you know multiple industries about layoffs and mm -hmm. hiring freezes and things of that sort. So I'm curious to see when this data right here is going to be meaningful enough for it to actually be alarming. And what we mentioned previously on other episodes was we really think by middle of Q1 to end of Q1, that's when. Yeah, and if you look at his timing here, he's talking you know mid middle of January. Right. Perfect. Right. So here here's the way this gets interesting. If you're under the Warren Act, you you do 50 more employees at once. Mm -hmm. Okay, you have to give them a 60 day notice. It's difficult. There's a whole set of processes that you have to put in place in order hence, to hence the 60 day severance packages. Uh, right? it's well that and there's some restrictions and laws around it, but okay. whatever. It's more about notice than it is about restrictions and severances. Okay. You typically will do it in more than one round, right? Uh -huh. So if he's starting in mid January, they may have several rounds contemplated. Right. Typically speaking, they'll wait 30 business days in between because that's essentially what the spirit of the law is telling you to do. Right. They'll do another, another round. Mm -hmm. This could go well on into Q1. Mm -hmm. You don't know. And while he, So he goes on to say, top managers have been asked to identify potential cost reduction targets and no final job cut number has been determined. Said people with knowledge of the matter asking not to be identified, discussing the internal deliberations. So obviously they're still thinking about it. But they don't give you like, hey, we're going to do this once. Right. Or we're going to, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking about it, we're considering it, we're ongoing. All the, all the fun buzzwords that are supposed to be what's said, but this could go on at some of these companies who have announced layoffs over time, multiple times. Right. The non-bank lenders, uh, the mortgage companies that laid off, yep. they had like three rounds already. Yeah, it's true. But he, what's amazing about this is he's not getting grilled too hard for this. No, because that, that's, so that's what sucks for a lot of people who are the first movers. Yeah. If you're a first mover, it's shocking. It's polarizing. It's, oh my God, because you're indicative of the market. Or you're the first to react, and the consumer hasn't caught on that every people, other people, will be following. Because right, he's going to be—they're the first in, in the Wall Street space to do this. They're not really. They're—they're—they've they've yeah. talked about it. There's several other firms on Wall Street that have talked about it already as well. Oh, really? Yeah, it's not unique to that. He's just getting out in front and talking to the media about it. No, he's just being quoted. David Solomon is kind of like a legend on Wall Street. Mm. I mean, him, Jamie, Jamie Dimon, like yeah. these people—they're—they're they're big names. Yeah. So when people when they speak about it, people listen. They go, "Okay, shit, these industry titans are talking about it. It's a real deal." Right. So I, I think there's a different level of respect that some of these people will get because of their career history and their pedigree, their cachet. Yeah, it's just it's they're they're the celebrities of the space. So when he talks about it, it's taken seriously. But what it does is is it destigmatizes the market. So if somebody who's a competitor comes out and says, "Hey, you know, we're gonna have layoffs," their their stock price is likely less to be hit unless there's something material there, which in this case. Wall Street looks at it and goes, okay, they're protecting their earnings, they're downsizing, they're doing the smart things for the shareholder. Exactly. Corporate executives are fiduciaries for the shareholder. Exactly. That's who so they work for. That's who they work for. And this is perceived to be, okay, if you look at the way it's worded, top managers have been asked to identify potential cost reduction targets. Yeah. You're reducing costs yeah. to help the bottom line and improve the benefit to the shareholder. Right. Because people forget your, your stock prices of companies- those are really just discounted cash flows of the profit they're supposed right. to make on a, on a year. And the fastest way to you know increase that profit margin is to just reduce the staff. Not the fastest way, but one of the easiest ways. Yeah, yeah. is to 
is to reduce the FT, assuming you don't sacrifice your quality of your product or exactly. your service and things of that nature. So that that's why you have to be somewhat pragmatic about it. If, if they staffed up 38% when, you know, there was a lot of change in the market, people worked from home, there was a lot of people calling, you know, like their telephone support or online support, mm -hmm. and now that's balanced back out a little bit. Do you still really need that 38%? Maybe you can lay off 8% and keep 30 and still have growth right. relative to where, where you were. People forget the, pand the pandemic was really weird on businesses. Mm -hmm. It changed a lot. And I'll tell you, you're going to see a lot of that shift in 2023. Right. As this economic challenge arises for companies all across sectors, you're going to see them look at things and go, okay, we gave you a lot of benefits. The, the tech companies did this. Yep. They're going to scale back some of those benefits. You don't get all like this happy, happy, joy, joy environment anymore. Mm -hmm. you're, you're not going to have, I mean, they're, they're, they're cutting costs. 100%, yeah. And one of those things was this work from home culture. I think you're going to see a very big shift back to some type of hybrid, if not full-time work again. Right. And people, frankly, are getting a little weird that are working from home. Yeah. Not, it's not for everybody. Yeah. It, it's it's tough. It, it, it's, it can be challenging. Not for me, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's convenient. <laughs> so the next article from Barron's was one that wasn't really a, a typical data-driven article for us, but I thought was really cool on the topic of consumer spending. And I thought with combined with the idea of how much consumer spending had had maintained itself and savings had dropped. Right. And these layoffs, that this should sound like a natural, logical process, yet we're not seeing it so much. So mm -hmm. I'll, I'll read the quote from the article. This is from Barron's. Consumer spending is about to get slammed. Here's how to prepare. Which I should point out that the one and only Said Omar oh, geez. did as the laureate give us, the higher standards chief economist did give us <laughs> Uh, oh, that's good. I'm, I'm going to have to change my Instagram handle. Yeah, you should put it on LinkedIn. Higher yeah. standard chief economist. Yeah, exactly. Why not? You should. Yeah. 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 And I'll, I'll say like, I'll, I'll put myself as intern to the chief economist. Like that. So that was, <laughs> intern. That'll be state. So um, Mark Sandy's bitch, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the logic is simple. People who are worried about the security of their jobs usually don't spend lots of money eating at restaurants, buying new cars frequenting shopping malls and upgrading wardrobes mm -hmm. simple logic yeah makes sense it, you know if you're worried about losing your job stop spending but that's not what we've seen so mm -hmm. i pose to you the audience and you mm -hmm. chief economist of the higher standard the question is it because people weren't really naturally fearing their jobs yet right because they were disingenuous with themselves that this wasn't going to impact them or that they just in denial what happened here why, why is the consumer waiting in March why are they of 2022, just now getting yeah. concerned, right? Why, why is it now that this is a headline? Hey, you, you know, people should naturally scale back spending because they should be afraid of losing their jobs. In March of 2022, I was livid that consumers hadn't pulled back. Right. Well, because I think more and more companies are starting to announce layoffs, right? And although we've been talking about them, I don't think it hit like top media outlets yet. So now that people are hearing about it more and more and the actual, I mean, the people were hearing recession, recession, but they weren't feeling it, right? So they weren't pulling back on spending or anything like that. But now, now that the conversation's about potentially losing their job and maybe they have relatives that have actually started to experience those things, that, oh shit, they're starting to take it a little bit more serious. So now that it's closer to home? Yeah. It's not just like a, oh, those people in the lending space, just them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, yeah. I mean, no, I think or the text or the text space. I think people do that. People, I think originally people were like, "Oh, you know, those are just those are just mortgage guys. Like those guys lose their jobs like all the time." Like really? I think people wrote it off, and then mm. then it was like, "Oh, you know, those tech sector guys. They've had it for so long." Yeah, yeah. I don't know. How I'm doing Valley Girl for that, but no, it just seemed no. right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it just, it just yeah. seemed right. No, no. But I think everybody had like this ideology that it was that was different for them. Mm -hmm. 
I'll never forget during the Great Recession, attorneys were getting laid off by large law firms left and right. It was really hard for attorneys, even ones with experience, to find jobs. Yeah. People just weren't hiring. Exactly. And a lot of people hadn't gone into private practice. They were working for somebody else. Right. So, I mean, it, it does affect all the sectors eventually. It's just these people are in total denial that it, they want to say, well, <laughs> those lenders, they live off leverage. Yeah. <laughs> no. You know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know why they're just now, it's just now hitting them, especially after, you know, the holidays, but um, it's something that I wish they were more plugged into earlier on. They could better prepare. Uh, plugged in. Plugged in. You always with the sexual undertone. Uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> talking about hybrids. No, you were not talking what about hybrids. Yeah. No, I was. I had a segue to, to the Jeep conversation I wanted to have with you. Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> no, don't do this. Dirty pervert. <laughs> yeah. See, honestly, this is why we have to have an explicit rating because you can't <laughs> it's, control It's yourself. my fault. You can't control yourself. I can't. It's too hard. Yeah, between this and the people who attacked me in the DMs defending you, which is a false narrative, by the way. I want to point out on the show right now, it's a false narrative. People are just in on the jokes, man. No, it's not in on the jokes. It's yeah. hurtful. Hashtag Team Sign. I am just being an actor and I'm playing a role. No, okay? you're not. I am the intern, the chief economist at the higher standard. Those of you that have my back, I appreciate you. They all do. Yeah. It's really weird. <laughs> like the fact, it's like you're the liver king. You're going to get exposed <laughs> at some point. Primal. Yeah. Team Primal. Yeah, subprimals, primals. Like I'm clearly yeah, we're the in, We're the in group. You're going to get exposed. Yeah. I'm the out group. Yeah. And when you get exposed, they're all going to sue you and they're going to back me. <laughs> yeah. Just wait. Yeah. For those of you who are uninitiated, the liver king is getting sued on uh, four different claims uh, as part of one lawsuit for a total of $100 million. Not the least of which is oh, that. Oh, I, I didn't hear about this. Oh, you didn't hear about this? No. Oh, well, allow me to help you. Mm. He's getting This is just announced today. Uh, the day we're recording this show, for those of you, is the Thursday the 29th. Mm-hmm. So he's getting sued, and this is no shock. It's, it's effectively a class action is what I'm understanding here, that an individual who represents class said that he would have never bought the supplements had he have known that the liver king is on steroids, and that he commits to people that you have to eat these raw organs mm-hmm. to really get the benefit of his diet and lifestyle, but that he knows that it's untenable and frankly is likely to make you sick so that you're naturally going to buy his supplements. Right. But this is all predicated on the body image, which is curated from performance-enhancing drugs, exactly. not from doing what he's saying right. from a diet. Right. So $100 million lawsuit. I'm actually surprised it's just that much. You're talking <laughs> about a guy who said that his top-line revenue was $110 million for just last year. So God damn. Uh, it, it's shocking to me that that's, that's all it is. But, I mean, this could be fodder for more news for him and more coverage. And frankly, I don't know that he's lost that many sales because of everything that's gone on for him. So, yeah, he's getting sued. Wow. It was only a matter of time. No, the the original article, we have our intern in the back here. The original article said $25 million, but it's actually four different $25 million claims for a total of $100 million. I know because, spoiler alert, I'm a licensed attorney and I looked it up the lawsuit. Yeah, so don't believe everything you read in the news, kids, okay? <laughs> that right there is why. Hey, okay? appreciate you for looking it up. Yeah, man. appreciate you for looking it up. That's the first time you actually Google something. That's what, you, uh, that's what we pay you for. Yeah, yeah. In turn, we what... don't pay anything. <laughs> 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 so I went, I had a problem, right? My wife wants to go to Big Bear. She wants to take the Jeep. Uh-huh. I swear to God, this is economic. Just bear with me. I love Big Bear. Do you really? Love Big Bear. I went there a lot as a kid, so maybe I'm just desensitized to it. Uh-huh. So we want to take the Jeep because we got big tires, 25 inch. 35 inch. 35 inch tires. Yeah, 25 inch. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just so used to being so big. 30, <laughs> 35 inch tires. And, you know, the Jeep is totally rigged out for, for you know, mountains and, and going off road. And then I'm driving it this week and I'm preparing in my mind. I'm going to change the oil, do all, all the, you know, usual maintenance before we go up. Right. And an engine light goes on. Check engine light. God damn. I press, I press. How many the, miles do you have on the Jeep? Uh, 66,000. Oh, okay. Around there. It's right, right out of warranty. 2015. Yeah, no, 50,000 miles of the warranty, but oh, you know, whatever. Oh, mine's 75,000. 
Don't don't ball so hard. I'm on just saying, I got this, the seventy five thousand seventy five thousand mile warranty. Yeah, you why is that, why is that ball you so hard? Have a much newer version vehicle than I'm poor and you're wealthy, <laughs> and you you do like the secret wealthy thing where you try to like act like oh hey, I'm the innocent hey. guy who's Every- look America look at me I'm 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 relatable. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. You know, I mean, some of us over here are hardworking individuals hey, hey. stuck in corporate America. We'll, we'll, we'll post pictures of our Jeeps and we'll see who's more relatable. What, what year's your Jeep? 2018. Yeah, you know what year mine is? 2015. Oh, you, Shut up. You want to have this conversation? Yeah, we can have this okay. conversation. How much money did you dump into the Jeep? I do not recall. Yeah, that's what I thought. Exactly. Yeah. I had this, this accident guy, and I don't remember very, very yeah, much. Yeah, this guy point. decked out his Jeep to make sure it gets in and out of Fort Knox. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, man. Okay, it, it just... It's a nice vehicle that it's I great. enjoy driving. It's great. Yeah. In any event, a check engine light goes on. It throws an error code P0456. I look it up. It's an EVAP. Basically, there's a, a gap in the lines in the engine, right? Mm-hmm. This is not like a critical, like, go check your engine right away. But it's. A, I'm like, God damn it. This is so... Un- the week... I'm supposed to be going to Big Bear, like, at the end of the week. Right. I'll take it to the dealership. Really, all you need to do is like a smoke down test. You plug some smoke into it. See what the leak is. Clear the tubing, whatever. It's not a big deal. Right. right. So I figure I call the dealership. Dealership says, mm, "Yeah, um, so you can drop it off, okay? <laughs> um, we're running about two and a half weeks to three weeks on diagnostics. <laughs> diagnostics, just to tell you what the problem is, and then we're gonna have to, um, yeah, have you come back and authorize the fix at that point. So you'll probably get your vehicle back in somewhere between, you know, mm, four four to six weeks, let's say, depending on the severity of the, the repair. Wow. And I'm like, or, what in the actual fuck did you just say? Yeah. What do you want me to do until then? So I'm like, you know what? There's like three other dealerships in the area. I'm going to call them. They're like, Ew, yeah, um, about that. Uh, so <laughs> um, they're actually got a longer wait than us. You, you can call them. I mean, I'm, I'm just, you know, whatever you call them. And I'm like, what? Yeah. They're like, yeah, um, you know, Irvine's uh, just to four, out week, the four week, just to diagnose. So the what, issue. So what did you end up doing? And I'm like, bro, like, I can, I'm can. i telling you what the issue is. I know the error code, P0456. Yeah, I did it myself. It's smoke test. Like, you just do a little smoke test, pop, pop in some smoke in a tube, and it t- where the smoke comes out, you fix it up. Yeah. Yay, everybody well, wins. Done. You know? <laughs> They're like, no, what we do is we're so backed up right now right. that um, we have, you can't just, you know, make an appointment and come in and then, you know, no, no, that's well, what I'm saying. You have to drop your vehicle off and leave it here for two to three weeks. Why are they so backed up? I'm glad you asked. Mm-hmm. There are so few people buying new vehicles right now. Yeah, man. That people are all getting their older cars fixed. And they were not prepared to handle the influx of repairs. So that's how long the wait times are at Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep dealerships. Yeah. So naturally, I said, well, um, hey, I know you and I are just, you know, spitballing here and you're kind of fucking me over a little bit, but whatever. Just I'm asking questions, you know. Your lot looks pretty fucking empty to me when I drive by. Yeah. Like, is this like a chip shortage thing? Or, oh, no, 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 no. We just don't want to take inventory of new vehicles because, you know, if people aren't buying that much, but they don't see a whole lot of vehicles, it creates this image of them wanting to buy because there's so few here. Wow. I'm like, what in the actual fuck? Yeah, complete misrepresentation. So the dealers are actually holding off on bringing new inventory in because they want to curate this image of desirability because they're not selling as many vehicles. Right. I remember when when we were shopping for a new car for how after her last one got totaled, people were buying cars as they were in transit over. Like Yeah. I mean, that was that's how high the demand was. It's not so was. shocking though. A lot of people like I, I Tesla, we we literally bought my wife's car online without seeing it, waited several months. I think months. that's only Tesla though. That's kind of the new world, man. Yeah, like I don't know. For me, I'm I, call me old school. I, I want to go in, see the car, test drive it. No, the guy who wanted an AARP car when he was 16 years old <laughs> is old school. 
<laughs> say it ain't so sight, Omar. Come on, man. You, who doesn't want to test drive their car before buying a car? I bet you can't wait to the day you get a senior citizen discount at the movie theaters, too. I can't. Oh, I'm going to cash in on that. There you go. One. See? Yeah. Jackpot. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. win. People think you want, you're want you the chief economist of the show because you're really interested in the economy. No. The sad reality is because you're cheap as fuck. <laughs> no, I'm not cheap as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> That's no, cool. Whatever, whatever keeps you going. I mean, yeah. this is what motivates you. That's fine. Like, yeah, I'm not judging yeah. you. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, the dealership problem is real. So, where well, this is going to ultimately wind up, this is going to be fascinating to see how it plays out, is people don't realize, I think a lot of people don't realize that the dealerships are generally, fran almost always franchises, mm -hmm. right? So, somebody is a franchisee of Jeep, Dodge, right. Chrysler, you know, Mercedes, whatever. Right. And they own several dealerships because, you know, they have their franchise. But they have the corporate company which they buy vehicles from right those vehicles are going to wind up on someone's balance sheet at twelve thirty-one, the end of the year yeah exactly and this this little chess game of oh you guys hold on to them we're not gonna hold on to them is only gonna last so long with the franchisor the person right. who owns the brand so to see how that all winds up i think there's a there's a world where we see in call it the first quarter where the 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 vehicle manufacturers are like no no no, no screw you guys right these are going on your lot I don't give a shit whether you want them or not. We oh. know your lots are empty. You're taking yeah. them. Yeah, they have to at that yeah, point. Yeah, you're right? going to fulfill your orders. You're right. taking them. And then there's just going to be an influx of massive amounts of cars on these lots. And right. I, I wonder. So there's no how longer there's no longer a chip shortage issue. I, we'll see. Well, a lot of manufacturers kind of pivoted. They said, okay, well, we're just not going to offer that feature. Or you can come back later on and add it. Or we'll discount your price. Right. So I'm on the wait list for Rivian. Yeah. I've gotten three different emails talking about how my vehicle order has changed because the things that they're going to have on the vehicle have just changed. Either so, there's no more electronic tonneau cover. Yeah, it's just a manual one because it has it, some issues there with the electronics. Whatever uh, the the thing that covers the bed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's the way you say it, right? Tonneau cover. Yeah, I have no idea. Spelled tonneau with e a u. So, you know, it's kind of fancy. So it's just it's an electronic one that just goes out and covers it. You're too lazy. The, the originally, lazy to just... originally you pushed a button and it came out over the top and went back. I gotta be honest, when they told me it was feel, a manual I one, like I was type, very. I feel like the type of people that want pickup trucks or want to like do that work themselves. I know? was very disappointed when they told me it was, it was gonna be manual. I was like, what an actual fuck. <laughs> Do I, do I email the CEO now? Like, who do I, I call? I can't do this shit from my phone. His name is RJ, right? I'm, I want his email. Yeah. I want to talk to him about my goddamn manual tonneau cover because I want that electronic shit. Yeah. I want to push the button and go whoop, whoop. <laughs> I know you do. That was sensitive as shit. Oh, and man. then I'm like, first this and now that. I remember when my cousin got the Model X and he was showing me, like, I guess the car like dances for him and it has oh, lights that go off. Yeah, the I'm Christmas like, thing, yeah. what? Like, why? Why? Why are you showing this off? When are you ever going to do this? My favorite feature of the Tesla is the fart sounds. <laughs> there's, there's a fart sound where you can press the seats or you can have it random where you sit down and it just farts. And you get, you get, people outside can hear it. Well, that's only happened when you and I went someplace. <laughs> so, Sai yeah. and I went to the grocery store and we heard these farts in the parking lot. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't be offended. Those are just kids playing with their Tesla. And he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, it farts. I was like, what the fuck is yeah. going on? I mean, when you put a bunch of nerds in charge of like the tech software, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> <Yeah>. Right? <laughs> it's like, oh man, we should put fart sounds in. It'd be so cool. Yeah. And I got to be honest. I was like, holy shit, there's fart sounds. It's so cool. <laughs> So I'm, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Now, if you can keep focused for a couple minutes, I do have some other details we should talk about that are financial based. That's why your interest in fart sounds. Let's go. According to the Wall Street Journal, home prices fell in October for the fourth straight month. <laughs> <laughs> who would have pictured that? You know, who, who, who would have called home prices going down despite the rhetoric that the home prices, were, who would have said that? Mm hmm. Oh, it looks like you subscribe to the Wall Street Journal. I don't. This is one of my free articles. I just refresh my cash <laughs> and then clear it and then get, yeah. Look at you, I get man. two, two you a month. Hey, you should have hit me up. I would have hooked you up. Two a month. No, no, no. I don't need your support. I got different browsers, bro. I got different houses. <laughs> like, different computers. Like, I'm good.
I'll do it on the work computer. I'll do it on the home computer. I get, yeah. I get my articles. Don't you, worry. You get your Wall Street Journal articles. Wall Street Journal poll. Free! <laughs> <laughs> According to the article, the S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller National Home Price Index, which measures the average home price in major metropolitan areas across the nation, fell 0.5% in October compared with September, the fourth straight month of month over declines. Shocker. In your face, yeah, Dave Ramsey. In your face. <laughs> so the 30-year fixed mortgage rate now, as of today, was 6.42%. That rose from 6.27, first increase after six weeks of decline. I thought that was interesting. It is interesting. So it looks like they're starting to price in that next 25 basis point increase. Oh, we have a guest calling in. House prices are going to go up every year for the next five years. How do you know if you're ready to buy a house? Because if you're ready to buy a house, you need to buy now. How do you know if you're ready to buy a house? Time right now. Yeah. Ready to buy a house? Time right now. Yeah. You know how you know? If you click this affiliate link. (laughs) (laughs) I'm never letting this go. Never. (laughs) I swear to God. I'm telling you right now, I want everybody out there to listen. Okay. Sooner or later, we will get a cease and desist letter. Yeah. <laughs> our, our, our presence on, on the web and, our, and our, our podcast is getting enough reviews at this point from enough of you grateful and uh, amazing, but grateful, you great and amazing people that I can tell you at some point in time, we're going to get a cease and desist letter. Yeah. And I cannot wait to read it to you. Yeah. <laughs> and when we get that letter, it's going to get framed and put up in the studio. Oh, I'm keeping that up here. Yeah. And I guarantee you that will be an all out free for all on Dave Ramsey and his entire network, the yeah. Ram Network. It's not yeah, really his network. No, I, just, not I think I'll yeah, see. It's okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but in any event, so a jump in mortgage rates, as I noticed, was what was l- largely curbing demand because demand without affordability is not demand. Damn. Calling that out a year in advance, knowing that it was going to happen despite I love everybody how people around know us. that's our that's our catchphrase. Oh, people hit me up all the time. Oh, the we got to create, create some merch for that. Demand without affordability is not demand. We should trademark that. Speaking yeah. of which, our trademark for the show has still not come through. It's really annoying. Yeah, it's frustrating. But if we created some merch for it, and then we should like start handing them out to some of the best reviews that come out. Boom. You get a shirt. Oh, I'm glad you're paying for this stuff. Yeah, exactly. You're the chief economist here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're the high title. Enter and take care of that. Yeah. Hey, hey. Get no, I, was ta- I was talking to you. Oh, me? Oh. <laughs> That's hurtful. <laughs> when you say intern, that, the actual intern doesn't look up anymore. Um, all right, so given the fact that we talked about some things, I wanted to kind of wrap this up in a little package and talk about some of the disinformation you see online in the form of articles yes. and headlines. There's a lot out there. My favorite, of course, are the relatively obvious ones. I'm 32 years old and I made $500 million in real estate with no money down. Yeah. Then you click it and it's basically two people who sell a course who just happen to say like, oh, this is my pretty wife. This is God, what Damn, owns. these people selling these courses are making so much money. No, it, it is a, a windfall of money. It's ridiculous. There are some people out there, and I'm not going to give them the dignity of mentioning their names, but I, right. I, I know who they are and what they're selling. And the bullshit they say is so, I remember, it's gone so left. It's so it's so extreme now. It's not even believable to, to anybody. I remember we looked up somebody that had a higher ranking podcast than us like six months ago. And we're like, how in the fuck does she have so, what is, what is going on? She's she selling a course. Yeah. And she's on a course on how to like grow a business. A we lot look, of course sellers do that. We, look, we, look, we looked it up. She, she worked for a hairstylist company. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I know what you're talking about. And yeah. I was like, I was like, what is going on? What what is this? Who's yeah. buying this? They build a cult like following. People buy into these personalities and like, oh my God, like she's so amazing. She cares about me. No, she doesn't. She doesn't give a fuck. Does not care about you. Yeah. Doesn't really like you. She plays nice. Yeah. People forget like the playing nice stuff, like that, that goes a long way, man. Yeah. Like the playing nice stuff and that motivational, like you can do it. Yeah. Focus. Yeah. Principle of the day. Principle of the day. <laughs> brought to you by 
Ray. Ray Dalio. Yeah. Believe in yourself, because if you don't believe in yourself, who will? Right. <laughs> Ray Dalio's principal of the day. God damn it, Ray. I'm so yeah. disappointed. I'm so, I'll never let that go. What was the, like, the second person I followed on Instagram, and that's what I got to come to? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> well, in any event, there, yeah, so th- these people bother me on a monumental level just because it's so disingenuous. But let's just focus on some positive stuff. Right. According to Market Watch, there's a better recession indicator than the yield curve, and it's not flashing danger yet. Mm. This article pissed me off to no end. I, I saw this, and I didn't even have to read it. I was like, doubtful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you how I can tell you some bullshit in an article. Yeah, this, yeah, this is the bullshit. That, exactly. So the article goes on to basically say that the U.S. economy is in great shape, mm-hmm. and it, it basically points to unemployment. The labor market. Labor market. Yeah, that's the only thing they can hold on to. Yeah. It says labor market still strong, unemployment rate still low. Right. 3.7%. Yep. And that normal, healthy unemployment is 5%. Yep. They say, well, until unemployment starts to rise and rise significantly above your 5%, mm-hmm. it's still, it's, we're, not, we're not a recession indicator. Right. Now, I will say it is true. Unemployment is a recessionary economy, a recessionary economy indicator. Yes. But it is after the fact. Yes, it always it peaks after the fact. Always peaks after the fact. But more importantly, it is the laggiest of lagging indicators. Unlike the jobs numbers, mm-hmm. unemployment rate comes out much, much, much later. Right. And as a result of that, if you're relying on that number to really be the indicator, let me tell you what happens historically. Recessionary economies last on average 12 to 18 months. If they last on average 12 to 18 months, unemployment has traditionally continued to increase even after the recession has been declared over. Exactly. So for people to think that that this is an indicator you can use to, quote, see if a recessionary economy is coming or in one, I would say that is a complete misrepresentation uh, of the way this data is used, is understood, and effectively reported. Right. And the inversion of the U.S. Treasury, treasury yield treasures. curve. Treasures. Treasures. It's a treasures. The inversion of the U.S. Treasury yield curve is known to be the most accurate recession indicator. Yeah, well, because in almost every instance in history, it, it's been it's preceded a recessionary economy mm-hmm. uh, by just a, a short period of time. And for those of you that haven't been paying attention, it's inverted so deeply to the point it hasn't hit this in over forty years. So deep, so deep, so deep. It actually, if I, if I do recall correctly, the two-year and ten-year Treasury curves are inverted, and that's the traditional inversion people mm-hmm. look for. But also the three-month and the ten-year inverted as well. Right. So for those of you that need a, a little bit more of a breakdown on this. I, I need did, a little more of a breakdown. And I, I know we have in the past. but on I the still deep I, inversion? Yeah, on, the, Can you deep, break down on me? the deepest of deep inversions. This is why I can't talk to you, man. You take it too far. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look into my soul. Take it too deep. <laughs> uh, so the, what this means, right, is investors demand higher payments for taking on more risk. Normally, an inverted yield curve tells investors they're worried about the near future. Right, the amount of interest investors are demanding for bonds paid in a short time, let's say two years, is higher than what they would demand for long time, ten years. Basically, what he's saying is people are paying you less for the long money, yes, and more for the short money. Yeah, because they're worried about what's going to happen in your future. So, typically speaking, if I were to give you a loan for two years, I should charge you less for that loan for two years than if I gave you a loan for ten years. Mm-hmm. Now, it, the world that we're in now is, oh, 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 I'm so worried about right now. Yeah. I'm going to charge you 
way more for the short term loan and a little bit less for the longer term loan because I think we'll be okay in a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. That's ass backwards, also known as an inversion. Yeah. See, I'm here to break it down. I feel like that was our best breakdown of the Was year. it really? Ass yeah. backwards, yeah. that's also known as an inversion? Yeah, yeah. You think I won the Nobel for that? I mean, you would know. No, I wouldn't know no, yet. They haven't come knocking. I'm no, waiting. Did they knock us in a letter? Is it like courier pigeon or something? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Is it like a squirrel just no, I think what like happens a, like a is like or something? Bernanke shows up with like a green jacket or something. It's just like it's. No, I think you're talking about the Masters. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know you actually paid attention to sports. Look at you. I don't. I just like green jackets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So I've got some interesting shit to talk about that is a little bit uh, financial literacy adjacent. Okay. I know how much you want to die by the hands of crypto, bro. I do not. That's you. No, they're no, coming no. for come you. On. They're coming for you, man. Why would anybody come after me? I am, I am the official Chris, Christopher Nahibi at gmail.com. I am the best cryptocurrencies in the world. You <laughs> yeah. buy from me now. <laughs> it's the best, bro. You buy. Right. Um, but this crypto entrepreneur bought an NFT for $2.9 million. What the hell? What, what this, was it? Oh, don't, don't, don't get too far ahead. Okay, fine. Swallow. It's the one that Jack Dorsey. His, oh, the his first, the first tweet, yeah. Tweet, yeah. Bought of two point nine million. He expected to sell it for forty eight million. How does that? How? Where? Where did that come from? God damn. Who was like, you know what? I'm gonna buy t- this this tweet. Yeah. Which, by the way, what? What? F- <laughs> You're gonna yeah. buy a tweet NFT? Yeah. That to me, I, I understand the visual picture, like the images NFTs, a lot more than I understand this. Yeah. You bought a was it a picture? You bought the original tweet? Yeah. But I can use those words and not trademark. Yeah. And it's still out there in Tweetville. So I believe his initial tweet is set on the screen here. It says, just setting up my Twitter. Twitter spelled incorrectly. And I'm like, um, I could I could say this. I could set up my Twitter tomorrow and do the same thing, and it's not a big deal. Well, yeah. But I'm, uh, I know I'm not Jack Dorsey, but I mean. So e- Sina Estava, Esta, Stavi? I think he's Afghan. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> the Iranians don't so, claim yeah, him. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> I think he's Afghan. I think Sina's an Iranian name. No, nah, I'm pretty sure it's Afghan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's okay. We welcome it. Yeah, yeah. He's part of your people. Yeah. Um. Anyway, he uh he was only offered a few dollars. All right. Not a few thousand. A few. Not doll- a few hundred. A few dollars. Yeah. Somebody somebody offered it to him as a joke and like a happy meal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but he he didn't get a whole lot for that. So I think it's safe to say that NFTs died in 2022. Yeah, I agree. I don't think we're gonna see those in 2023. Being gl- a big I'm, deal. I'm glad too. We're glad. Why? I never understood. I never understood it. Well, when would I use this? I don't think you would. That, but that that's hindsight being twenty twenty. No, never. In the beginning, when there was all this hype, I was like, I don't get it. I'm not buying it. I'm not I buying a lot. I'm not buying Gary V's fucking I was NFT. A total Gary V's has utility though. Yeah, man, fuck Gary, Gary V's. V. You get to go to get you get to go to VCon. Yeah, I don't want to go to VCon. Well, I, that's why you don't own any. Yeah, I mean, I get that. But who does? A lot of people, bro. They trade that shit like hardcore. Come on, I man. do not own one. Our interns pointing. <laughs> Bro, you lose the which one, which, title real quick. Yeah, which which one do you own? Huh? Which one do you still own? I own. And were you ever thinking about trading them? Because it seems like that's what this person did. They They're bought not trading it. cars. You sell them. Well, I get it. Or you know what I mean, selling them and for a higher value. Like they're treating it like a stock. Yeah, a lot of people did. So like, I know you didn't. No, no, I, yeah. I just fucked around and found out. You, yeah, <laughs> fucked around. And that, found was my, out. that was my that was my investment yeah. strategy. <laughs> Let me fuck around and find uh, out, Chris. What's your investment strategy as yeah. a list of NFTs? It's yeah. fuck around and find out, Dave. I'm yeah. glad you asked. On our, ex- I'm fucking around, and yeah. I'm gonna find out that we're jack shit in a couple months. Yeah, on our income statement, it goes under R and D. No, mine went under <laughs> fuck around and find out. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's F and F. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> around and find out. So like, yeah, this person bought it in hopes that it would go up in value and then resell it. When I you think- buy when you, if you bought yours because you thought some shit looked cool, all right, fine, whatever. No, I bought I bought projects like um the Seekers project that I bought because they they effectively were nodes that you could use to mine more crypto in their network and there were some interesting things that I kinda of wanted to follow from a technology perspective. I only bought stuff that that gave me things I want to look into from a technology perspective. Makes sense. So if it if it kept me emotionally invested to oh, continue to stay up with the technology, almost like a membership. I, I, mean, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, that's what it seems like. It just right? it was just something to keep me emotionally invested enough to know. It's like buying one piece of stock, so you get like the stock disclosures from that company. Mm. Like I'm not buying enough to really own anything and make like a huge amount of money, but I'm buying enough to say emotionally convect, con- connected enough to where I read the the stock disclosures they give me. Right. You know, like a lot of people do this with Berkshire Hathaway, which claim, granted, their stock price is ridiculously high per share, but right. that's why they own one share. It's not really like an investment. They want to be able to attend the annual shareholder stuff. They want to be able to kind of have information and stay close to it. Yeah, man, it's different, bro. That's Warren Buffett, right? I know, I know that, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, I want to be close to technology because I do think Web three, the blockchain, these things will have their their implications to the financial world and ultimately banking, which you know is obviously near and dear to my heart. Right, just like you. Mm. I love you. So Berkshire Hathaway. Say it back, bro. Berkshire Hathaway, one stock right now, $468,000. Say it back. Intern, that's your job. Why is he doing that? Yeah, that's crazy. That, one that, share. That's his, why, why, he said Berkshire Hathaway. Your job is to Google Berkshire Hathaway and tell us that. But they, they supposed bought, to be intuitive. So can you explain this? Are you drunk? So can you explain this to me? I'm There's, focusing on the intern right now. <laughs> on the intern. We're going to bust his balls later when he gets on the mic. Ball. Yeah. <laughs> his ball. His Only ball. one minute time. Yeah, one minute. <laughs> So Berkshire Hathaway has a stock A and a stock B. Yeah. Why do they do you know why they do that? Two different classes. Yeah. yeah it's common. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, so the class B is three hundred nine dollars a share, A four hundred sixty eight thousand dollars a share. Yeah, one has different voting rights. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they get to attend all the all the cool meetings. No, I think they all get to attend the meetings. I, I just well the shareholder meetings anyway, but I think yeah. they just have different voting rights. Mm. But yeah, common common stock is very common. Com- and, oh wow. 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 <laughs> Prolific, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. dropping it. So hey, pro- everybody. Common stock so, is common. So profound. Yeah. Yeah. I'm profound. Yeah. And sexy. Cerebral. Okay. I'm cerebellum. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So while I'm on the, on the uh, while I'm on the crypto bashing phase, I, I just want to, I want to couch what I'm going to say next in the context of this is Saeed's fault. No. Why? What did I do? Sh- what? I'm talking to the audience. Okay. okay. Oh, God. I know how much you love to say. See, you, you curated this image of like a nice guy on the show. And I don't want to take away your, your, your image. But I know how much you love to hate on people. No, I do and not. And I know how much. Why? Why? Just, like, come on. Just bear with me. It's fine. Go for it. It's just I know mind. how certain things really make you happy. I can see this smile on your face right now. You're happy knowing that we're going to talk about this. No, I have no idea where this is going. That's. You see disability benefits. That's a, that's a teaser. That's not. That's not. This is part of the headline of the article. I was like, what are we? What, yeah, we're about no, to bash yeah. people who are disabled. What's going on? Okay, according to the Washington Examiner, disability has nothing to do with this. Don't okay. get us canceled. Okay. All right. The the Washington Examiner says this is the headline: Regulator wined and dined by SBF and FTX out at the SEC. Oh my God! Did you hear about this? No, I did not. Yeah. Okay. So, have you cleared your bladder before we get into this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you to pee in the chair. Okay, let's go. <laughs> All right. A regulator official, a regulatory official who had previously dined with FTX founder Sam Bankman Fried and his lobbyist has stepped down from his role at the Securities Exchange Commission, the SEC. 
Goddamn. SEC General Counsel Dan Berkovitz announced that he is departing his role at the agency effective January 31st. The agency said Berkovitz was an ally of FTX within the financial regulatory agency and had meetings with SBF and other crypto lobbyists. God damn, this is so damning. Oh my God. The day before he was, um, before he was arrested, I, th- I believe he was in Washington or something like that. It was like he was like the day before he was in, indicted or some shit, yeah. or like brought up in charges. He was in Washington lobbying again. Like he spent a lot of time with a lot of high profile people. And the only thing I have to say is is really, I mean, I think I think we should all agree on this. Is when Jonah Hill plays him, it's going to be amazing. Oh. <laughs> okay. That's good. That's good. I like, cannot wait for this movie. The Wolf of Wall Street was a warm up. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the bids, the yeah. bids on this story. Can you imagine? Netflix got to have to take this over. I mean, I can see the headline now. F S B F. You know. Yeah. Or S B F gets effed. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just going to be. Yeah, I mean, they have to wait, right? You you can't even make this until like trial gets done and everything. But dude, so I mean, when, yeah. when someone someone in this position is steps down, I mean, they're basically being told like you got to get the fuck out. Oh, it, there, there's probably more to this. He he could have been taking bribes. He could have been. So, so I mean, that that's what that's what bothers me about this, though. It's if like, you read between the lines, he did something that was completely inappropriate. I bribes think, uh, or not, like he he was getting wined and dined. Right. So yeah, he he was too close to it. They found something. They said. You got two choices. Either we can fire you or you can step down. And this he, corruption was on all the levels. All the levels. God all damn. the levels. He was lobbying for, for all sorts of, you know, people to look the other way. Granted, he's out on $250 million bail. But then, well, how does, how does someone like SBF or his lobbyists, I mean, even have access to somebody like this? The regulators? Yeah. So, okay, I'm going to try to narrowly tailor my language around this. The SEC is unfortunately one of the most underfunded regulatory agencies. Right. And they have such a huge amount of work. I got tremendous respect for people that I know at the SEC, at the FDIC, and what they do. Of course. But I would say comparatively, the SEC is by far and away the most underfunded. Mm -hmm. They just don't have enough people to really do the work they need to do. Right. And there's been a lot of scrutiny over regulatory agencies that that are really in the finance space post-Great Recession. Right. Why didn't you catch this? You were too close to people. You, know, mm-hmm. you, you should have done better. And I would say some of that, okay, fine, maybe warranted. Some of that should fall in the banking system and in the securities system and the secondary market and everything else. But I would say it's largely unfair. They're not staffed and paid super well. Right. So a lot of people go work there and then transition to private life. Right. So go work someplace else with a former regulatory experience. Or they work there, they get a pension, they move on, and they have a pension, and you know they, they'll go work in private life again. Mm-hmm. It really depends on your life goals. Whatever. No judgment. What I will say is it's really easy to talk to people in Washington and say, hey, I, w- I want to frame and structure some of the regulatory world around this. Let me talk to somebody from the SEC. And he could just he could have just been aiming to have a conversation with somebody, and this could be the, the person that he was talking to. Now, I will say general counsel seems like the right person to be talking to about legality of cryptocurrency and lobbying and things like that but lobbying is a very dangerous dark world yeah it's people who are really out there trying to spend money in one variant or another under the auspice of being legal and donating right or under just i'm gonna whine and dine you because i can't give you money and some of the some of this whining and dining has gone to extremes right and i'm not just saying this this is not unique to the sec this is Mm -hmm. all politics right people are going on trips on private planes and going and doing things they normally wouldn't do I didn't get any money, Your Honor. Yeah. Well, you also accepted some travel benefits and perks probably worth tens of thousands of dollars. Right. 
And I mean, this isn't, we, we can't say that we've seen this, or but you can only imagine the types of accounts that are offshore that have maybe been handed over. Come on. That's not too conspiratorial. It's not, but I mean, I would say if they've been handed over, the the problem with so he as general counsel for the SEC may have had an opinion and some influence, but he could not have voted anything into law. No, so he couldn't have done. He wasn't the one who was responsible. But him for signing on him, but him giving his stamp of approval can go a long way. Well, of course he can. Mm-hmm. It, of course he can. But that that's this is this is just politics. I mean, yeah. you can you can point this out and say, oh, you know, shame on this guy. But this is really the political environment all over the country and the world, for that matter. Right. I know. I mean, and did you hear about when Trump recently had his uh, tax returns audited? This is this is how understaffed no. this is how understaffed they are. So he recently had his tax returns audited. They assigned one person to do all that. Man, come on, man! You one? and I, you and I have seen a lot of tax returns in our time. A wealthy person's tax returns are thousands of pages. I mean, they are. It is ridiculous. Okay, one time I had to spread somebody's tax returns. You spread it. I spread it. Real good. Yeah, real good. I'll never, I'll never forget. And this shit took me literally two days just to clear the schedule of real estate on. Yeah. Two hard. days. Yeah. Just pages and pages. Pages and pages. That's just the schedule E. And I mean, I can't imagine. So how are you going to assign one person to look over Trump's tax returns? That's, that's impossible. This guy has a, an entire company. Be careful what you wish for, Chief. The Inflation Reduction Act. Yeah. A whole unit of people from the IRS are coming for you. They're going to audit. You think yeah. they're going to audit Trump? Yeah. Well, did you see that article that I sent you to about- No, I don't uh, read shit you sent me. Yeah, I know you didn't. Uh, the the Pentagon failed its fifth audit. I saw that the same day. I just wanted to not post it. I want to let you post it. No, you did I not. I did. I saw don't, it the same day. Come on, man. Fifth audit. Fifth audit. Yeah, fifth audit. And it was, I believe- Meanwhile, the Department of Defense has never passed an audit. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I believe they never passed an audit, so it doesn't surprise That is anybody. absolutely insane. So, so it, they're in control think, of like $850 means? billion- dollars. And they don't know where they're spending it. Yeah, and when they get audited, I, I pulled this up right here. So basically, my, my supposition here is UFOs do exist. UFOs do exist. When they do get audited, it requires 1,600 auditors. It costs them $428 million to conduct the audit and another $472 million to fix it, fix the problems. Don't worry, you're paying for it. That's fucking insane. You're paying for it. How bro. are we just hearing about this? So I, I actually heard about this from the, the two people on Breaking Points. But um, the that's article your, speaks for itself. That's your news outlet? Yeah, they're great. <sighs> yeah. You don't listen to our own show. <laughs> I do. I do. I, now, I, listen to, I listen to our whole show now. What, what changed? Yeah. You calling me out. Me calling you out? All, that's all it did it? That's all it did it. Wow. I didn't realize I was that yeah, didn't Yeah, I didn't want to be arrogant and listen to myself. It's not arrogant, bro. Come on, bro. It's you're, pretty you're, arrogant. You're, you're curating. You don't think singers listen to themselves? I don't know. Do they? If you're Mariah Carey and you're walking into the booth, you don't think you're going to listen to it afterward and be like, God damn, I sound good. Man, I don't see Joe Rogan listening to himself. Oh, Joe Rogan for sure listens to himself. Get the fuck out of here. No, he does not. Yes, he does. No way. Yes, he does. He's, he's sitting and listening to each three-hour episode? Come on, man. Yeah, he is. No. What do you think gets him going while he's in the gym? <laughs> yeah. You can sit around and eat elk, elk meat all day long and play with the bow and not listen to yourself? Yeah. Bro, he's probably touching himself while he's doing it. <laughs> God damn, I sound good. God damn, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan. Yeah, listen to his own jokes. Joe yeah. Rogan, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan. <laughs> That's fine. I'll ask him when I'm on the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he 
Yeah, let me know. Can I come? Joe. Please, I'll sit outside. Myself and my chief economist, we had this uh, <laughs> ongoing theory that you touch yourself while listening to yourself in, in, in your creative process. Right. And I said, you probably did it in the sauna to see if you can continue to be aroused in that much heat. 160 degrees is a lot. Yeah. That's it's a just lot. science. Science. Yeah. I'm sure he's had somebody as an expert on the show who's talked about it before. Come on. And then if you do it there, I think the next step is you go into the cold plunge and try it. God damn. And if you can if you can do that in a cold plunge. Have you ever tried a cold plunge? No, bro. I'll never I will never try a cold plunge. I barely try in cold showers. You're not even you're not even curious? No, fuck no. <laughs> oh my god. So I've I've done oh yeah, I've done cold plunges. Yeah. Let me tell you. So if you get one that's it's not so bad when it's not ice. The ice ones for some reason are just fucked up. And I've had to do those before. That isn't it's like some people like they jump inside like a barrel. It's like a barrel of water. Yeah. You're lucky if it, yeah, the whole barrel of water things. If it's a recirculating one where it recirculates the water and keeps it at like a static temperature, mm -hmm. in my, for in my experience, they're not as bad. They're still not fucking great, but they're still not as bad as anything that's got ice in it. Right. But I've done them. And when you get in and you sit there, you if you go in slow, number one, like it's just like needles on your, it's just like, it's it's terrible. Yeah. But to sit in there and sit in there for like links, some of these people like sit in there for like minutes. Yeah, you got to work up to that shit. No, no, it can't. is not easy. It is. Yeah. It is. Do you painful. remember? Do you remember what degree you got down to? Forty-two degrees. That's pretty fucking cold. Down to my neck. Yeah. Yeah. Forty-two. And for degrees. how long? I think I think I got up to like four or five minutes. I was like four or five. Wow. But it's been a while, and I tried it recently in my bath my bathtub. Yeah. With ice. Yeah. And my wife, thank God, she wasn't home. You I. Did, I what well, you did it for shits and giggles or what? No, nah, I, was, I was working out heavily. Yeah, you know, and I was like, I'm tired and fatigued, and I got little things here and there that hurt. Yeah, well, why? So why'd you deviate from like the Epsom salt baths? No, I, mean, I still do those from time to time. Yeah, I turn on the candle. You know, a little <laughs> bit on, of Michael Bublé. Turn on the podcast. Michael Bublé, really? You don't strike me as a Michael Bublé guy. No, because I'm lying. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm <laughs> yeah. trying to sit there on the <laughs> Yeah, I can't say I listen to myself like more, Joe Rogan does. That yeah. guy's arrogant as shit. Strike me more <laughs> as a more of a Bill Withers guy. Bill Withers? Yeah. I don't know who that is. What? Yeah. Lovely Day? Oh. Oh, Jesus, yeah. why man. Start, why do you say Lovely Day? <laughs> His name is Bill Withers. Why did you say Lovely Day? Come on. Shame on you for being- More people know Lovely Day than Bill Withers. Don't make me the asshole here. Come on, man. That's a shame on you. You're 50 you, years you old and you don't me, know who I Bill Withers is? I'm not 50 years old, okay? <laughs> Only my hairline is. <laughs> There's a difference. Wow. I'm insulted, offended. All at the same time, but I will give you A for effort on the insult. Yeah, it was, there you it was, go. It was very yeah. creative. Well, so what's Speaking going on? What's going on with the real deal? <laughs> <laughs> so the next thing I'm gonna bring up, I want you guys to know that I'm trying to be objective. I know that I can be harsh. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes. And I know that there's a whole religious organization behind this individual. Oh my god. That are probably gonna come after Saeed for being terrible and saying all the things that he's forcing me to say right now. But as the innocent bystander and the proxy for Saeed's true opinion, I would like to point out that I take a lot of joy in what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> okay, let's go. Again, this is Saeed. I'm just being a proxy for Saeed. You got it. Okay, Thank so you. When, the, when his religious organization comes out to people, it's Saeed Omar. No, don't do middle, this. Middle name is Muhammad. No. <laughs> you can't even pronounce <laughs> it right. Muhammad. It's Muhammad. Yeah. It's going to go up every year for the next five years. <laughs> In anyway, uh, any event, Grant Cardone is back on the hook for a class action suit. Let's go, baby. Ask the question. Come on. What class action lawsuit? Uh, come on. Which one? All right. <laughs> which one? <laughs> Allegedly, he's being looked into for all sorts of criminal organizations. We talked about that. We did. Grant Cardone is ending 2022, according to The Real Deal, on a sour note after an appeals court reinstated a class action lawsuit against the crowdfunding Mastro. Mm. Here's what I'll tell you. I would not refer to him as a crowdfunding maestro. Yeah. Maestro. 
I, yeah, shit, the I'm real really, deal kind of hooked him up right there. Yeah, it was kind of positive but negative. They kick him in the ding ding in the next sentence. That's yeah. fine. The complaint alleges Cardone and his company alleges cute. Alleges, yeah, they have to though. <laughs> he allegedly, yeah, innocent until proven guilty unless you did it on the internet, folks. Right, you're guilty. Alleges that uh, Cardone and his company, Cardone Capital, misled investors on social media. No. Shocker. Misled investors on social media? What? You actually have to break it down for people that don't know how he misled them. About profits they could make from his multifamily deals. So what, okay. what, what was he doing? He was buying them himself. Grant Cardone is, in fact, a syndicator. It's a mm -hmm. fancy term for saying that he puts together pools of other people's money to buy properties. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, uh, a lead syndicator will typically take a commission on the deal or ownership. In the case of Car Cardone Capital, it is well established that he often bought properties in his personal name and then sold it to Cardone Capital syndicated investors for more money than he bought it from. Mm -hmm. So he would make money on the front end by buying it and then selling it to Cardone Capital. He would also get a percentage ownership as being the syndicator, the person who put together the deal. So you're buying in. He's taking a percentage of the ownership right off the top. So mm -hmm. now he's made money selling it to Cardone Capital, which you've now bought it from at the higher price. Right. He's probably got a kickback on the front end from the real estate agent that he bought it from. Mm -hmm. He's now also made money in the form of percentage ownership, and he's going to property manage it and take a management fee on the, on the property as well. Mm -hmm. So he's just dinging people left and right for, for fees all the way around. He's also stated that he can raise rents and do things that are probably a little bit overzealous, and by probably I mean they absolutely are overzealous. Right. And he's being looked into for misrepresenting a lot of what his business structure and model is. And I know for a fact, mm -hmm. he's been investigated by several federal agencies. Do you think they're actually going to be able to come down on him? I mean, how? I, I don't know that anyone. So first of all, he's got a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I think class action will be able to fight and be able to fight for years. It'll take a long time. Do I think he misled investors on social media? Absolutely. Yes. I think anybody who's trying to get investors on social media is frankly looking for a lower pool of sophistication as far as their investors go. That makes sense. Right? Yeah. I'm going to crowdfund a property. Larger, well-established syndicators have groups of very affluent, very wealthy, very sophisticated people, sometimes hedge funds even, mm -hmm. to go to and say, hey, look, I'm buying this. Do you want to have a piece of this? Here's and your You returns. actually have to fill out like an application. You have to show proof of you know, your net worth. So right? here's where the laws on this get really wonky. You have to be a, quote, accredited investor. Exactly. But the term accredited investor, SEC regulation, mm -hmm. is very, very loose. Okay. And it varies a lot state by state. But essentially, all they have to do is say you meet a de minimis level. And the de minimis level for investing in stuff like this, according to the law, is very, very, very low. I mean, because you could own literally a fraction of a percent, right? Mm. Or you could say, I checked to make sure that this person was an accredited investor. They told me they had a net worth of A or B or C. Yeah, There's no due diligence for you to actually go and check that net worth. They're just getting signed documentation they, they're alleging to be true. So let's just say I'm at Cardone Capital. You call me up as a credit investor. Ring, 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 ring. Hello. Hi there. Um, I saw your ad on social media. I would like to invest. <laughs> you did? Yeah. Well, we're looking for accredited investors only, Mr. Guy with three first names. Oh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a credit. How, how, can I, how can I show that I'm accredited? Well, you know, the minimum is $250,000 in liquidity. Okay. And I can get that. It's going to be about mm, half a million dollars in net worth. These numbers are fabricated for mm -hmm. example purposes. Mm -hmm. Do you have that? Um, I can get it. Okay. I need you to submit a statement that says that you have that. Okay. 
And uh, if you send it over to us, then we'll let you invest in the property. Do I, do I need to show that I've had it in my account for like two months or anything? No, no, like no. That? Just send us a statement that shows that you have that, like a, like a balance sheet that you put together. Income oh. and asset. Oh, so I just go on Excel and I cite asset, cash, 250000 Well, we have something we can give you. You can just sign it under, as true and accurate under penalty of perjury. Oh, okay. Uh, is, am I going to get any trouble for that? Well, you're an accredited investor, right? Right. No. Oh, okay. Great. I'll send that over to you right now. Welcome to Cardone Capital. Thank you. You're welcome. That's how it's done. Pretty much. You know, your role-playing skills have gotten very good. Yeah. Yeah. You role-played the shit out of that. <laughs> so did you. Yeah. I, was, I felt really good about that. Yeah, so did I. Yeah, I did. Well done. So as we wrap up the episode and give you that good good, the stuff that you crave and need, mm -hmm. we know that you're starting off your 2023 with us. And we wanted to recap some, some things that our wonderful intern provided in a text message to Saeed and I mm -hmm. that we agreed to do. Mm-hmm. That so, I did not do my due diligence on. I did not read these ahead of time. That's okay. I did. So, and, and honestly, you're not reading. It's fine. So, happy new year to all of you out there. And again, thank you. Yes. This year is probably way, way more growth insight than I ever expected. And, uh, I mean, we started off in a garage. We did. Now we have a studio. Mm -hmm. We got an intern. Did not expect that. Yeah. And uh, top 200 business podcast. Congrats, baby. Congrats. Yeah. You look sexy when you're in the top 200. We appreciate all of you. So the phrase of the year. What's your phrase of the year? Man, I don't know. That's not said. I didn't prepare God for this. God damn, that's a gimme. Demand without affordability is not demand. Damn, that's true. That Fuck. is the phrase of the year. I fumbled the bag you on that You fumbled the bag. I did. Which for you non-millennials means that he missed an opportunity to hold on to his success. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I fumbled the bag. He fumbled the bag. Please use that with your kids. Who else you're welcome. Who else fumbled the, the bag? Who else fumbled the bag? Yeah. What do you mean, this year? SBF. SBF has got to be the biggest bag fumble of all time. I will say he's not the only one. Kanye West is probably way up there. God damn, he fumbled the bag. Yeah, Kanye West fumbled the bag. Yeah, <laughs> the bag. The bag, because he loves the Jones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he fumbled, fumbled the Birkin. The bag. Biggest headline of the year, business related. Ooh. Biggest headline of the year? I mean, I know I'm prisoner of the moment, but God damn, FTX is really standing out. FTX was bad to me, but I, I would say the biggest headline of the year for me wasn't necessarily a headline per se, but it was consistently in the news. And that's the seven unprecedented massive Fed interest rate increases this year. Has to be up there. And on top of that, too, it has to be the redefining of what a recession is. Listen, America, I know that the negative GDP number that's coming out, I mean, the GDP number that's coming out. Uh, at for Q two, yeah, twenty twenty two, it may be negative. We don't know, mm -hmm. but that not is not, yeah, indicative, indicative, indicative of a recessionary economy. And I know the popular, general colloquial definition is that is a recession, but that is not the technical one, right? Let's tell you what the technical one is, right? That's your White House statement, okay? And I got to go back though, real quick on phrase of the year. You can't go back. Come on, I got to. I just, I just thought of one. What? Yacht it up. Shot it up. Yacht it up. We're trying to get yacht it up in 2023, baby. Yacht it up. <laughs> we don't want to spend the money, but we have to spend the money. Yeah, got to. They don't yeah. want us to have what, but we got to get it. That was a terrible DJ Khaled. Sorry. Yeah, it's fine. You're fired. All right. Most viral moment of the year, business related. I think anything out of Kanye's mouth yeah. was incredibly viral. And at the beginning of the year, I thought, okay, this is a brilliant marketing strategy. This man has found a way mm -hmm. to manipulate, because he at the time, he wasn't posting stuff into his story on Instagram. He was posting onto his feed 
and then deleting it. So you had to keep current and check his account. Otherwise, you would miss some of the crazy shit that he was saying. So it, it created like this different use of the platform. It was very disruptive. Right. And made people grow with his platform because they had to subscribe. They had to be there in order to see it. Right. So we got exponential growth really, really quickly. But he went fucking left and crazy so far that that viral moment has been completely pissed away. Right. In my mind. Yeah. My two cents. Yeah. I think Elon buying Twitter's got to be up there. Viral moment really buying Twitter? Yeah, man. I thought it was so overhyped by the time it was done. I was like, meh. I mean, when it first kind of came out, we were just, everyone was just like, what the fuck? Elon's going to buy Twitter? Like, he's got that much money. He can buy, just go and say, I'm going to buy Twitter. And by the way, this shit's no longer public. It's now private. He did. But now he's like the fourth wealthiest man in the world, the number one. Yeah. Yeah. Shit pivoted a little bit. That's, oof, sorry, Elon. Yeah. I got a feeling he'll be back. Yeah. No, no doubts about that. Uh, your biggest win of the year. Uh, the the comment from our intern here. It'll be fun for listeners to hear what your win would be. <laughs> would it? Would it? It's so cute. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I appreciate the comment. Can you wear pink next time you come in? <laughs> pink? Why pink? Like some bunny ears or something. <laughs> I just want you to be like you know spring and festive. Spring and festive. Maybe have some colored eggs. I'll do this. Yeah, sorry. Too soon. Too soon. Okay. <laughs> uh, biggest win of the year. Biggest uh, win of the year. Um, for the show or just in general? Generally. Okay, go for it. Oh, my baby niece was born. That's your biggest win of the year? Yeah, I got a niece now, man. Why do you say they should do appeal? I'm being honest. To, that, that, come on. You're trying to appeal to the audience. Yeah. No, I'm not, honestly. I mean, that's when the family grows. That was like your this. biggest win of the year? Yeah, I got a niece now. I love her to death. I look at her as like my, my third. That's a big win, man. Family grows. How you can, know, on other shows that are really popular, I'm trying, I'm trying to be honest here. It's like uh, I did two I, lines of cocaine and partied, and you know. Do you, do in, you want me to be comical? Italy. I could be comical. No, I don't want you to be comical. I'm just I saying. Love, like, okay, the biggest win of the year are the listeners turning on you and backing <laughs> me up. That is, God, honestly, the best win of the year. All the reviews, all the reviews. Be honest. All the reviews. Honest. All the reviews that are coming in. If you haven't done yourself a favor, go ahead and check out our reviews. And while you're at it, if you haven't left us an honest five star review, you should go. You should go ahead and do so. <laughs> it's such a horror. It's such a horror. Yeah, and you should go back and read some of the most recent ones. How they bash Chris and support your boy. Wow, I honestly don't know what my biggest win of the year is because I, I feel like in a lot of ways my year was a failure. No, nah, um, I know it's, it sounds it sounds weird when I say it, but I, I don't I don't know that I can pinpoint a certain time this year that I won per se. I mean, I know we've talked about it before. Um, on like recently, actually, the chief credit officer of the bank is what keeps the bank intact, right? It's it, usually it's usually the credit department that will make a, a bank go under. Yeah, I mean, but look, I, I look but, at that, that's a that's a job though. That's what, that's what I do. Yeah, but you I know, mean, it, I mean, it's good recognition that I mean, well deserved to become the chief operating officer of a you know public. I really company. don't. I really don't think so. I got to be honest with you. I, I don't. I don't see the job as any different. I, mm -hmm. I just see it as as a different function, but not a different. I, I always thought the chief credit officer, frankly, was more important in some ways. I know. Yeah. In some ways, not always, but I mean, they're they're different jobs. But yeah. I look at it as just a different function. So I don't look at that as a win. Somebody asked me the other day if, if I felt good about it. And the answer was no. And they were like, why do you feel like no? And I'm like, because I'm in a job that I haven't done. I don't have anywhere near the experience or, or understanding of it. And yeah, you know, it's nice to learn something new. Mm -hmm. But do I feel good about it? No. And I probably won't for a long time. Yeah. The same way every time we end a podcast, I, we hit the stop recording button. And Saeed's like, oh my God, did you like the show? I thought it was great. And I'm like, nah, shit. Yeah. Every single one. Every single shit. one. Chris, just, Chris always thinks it's shit. Yeah. I, I'm not... I don't, for some reason, numbers, I, don't, I don't focus on wins. The numbers say differently, though. They do say differently. I think it's because everybody loves you and they hate me. Yep. 
Biggest loss of the year. Uh, what did you invest in that flopped? Mm. Site, NFTs, crypto? No, man. I, I've been listening to our show. <laughs> I've been hoarding I've been hoarding cash. What do you mean? I didn't invest in nothing. You've been I, hoarding cash? Hoarding, no. Um we've still been doing all the dollar cost averaging, so whatever it is, I'm not even looking at where where it's going. I'm just keep putting money into the um you know the long term funds. Biggest flop of the year, man. I mean I I would say I'm disconnected to the NFTs at this point. Like I just have no interest in keeping up with the technology. It's it's been tough for me. Right. What about Web three though? Web3, even then, I've stepped away a little bit. It's just I have bigger priorities. Mm-hmm. So I would say all the time and money and energy that I put into understanding NFTs hasn't paid dividends. I don't think it was a waste. I think it's really important to know those things. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think the regulatory environment is so stigmatized now thanks yeah. to SBF and FTX and you know, Doge and all these all these coins that have had fallouts that mm-hmm. I don't know that 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 education being on the forefront of it that I was was a good investment of time right right now well, you, you got to know what what's going on there cuz Shaq's hosting a new year's eve party in the metaverse stop it i swear it's happening you well, say that for now huh I'm, i just i just remembered right now wow can you believe that shit how much are you going to pay for that bro who's doing that i don't dude if you go to a new year's eve party in the metaverse like shame on you <laughs> come you on know, man like, i know don't, don't just do spend that. time with your family yeah, just... what's going on Tell me you got problems. I'll tell me you got problems. <laughs> I swear to God. Hey, mom, I'm going to go to the metaverse party with Shaq. Yeah. You're going to see fake Shaq in the fake metaverse? Yeah, I swear. And you're going to fake dance with him? Like, what's what? this thing with Shaq? He's like a DJ now. Like, he's constantly DJing. Bro, that guy's made so much money now, he just doesn't care anymore. Yeah. He made more money after his NBA career than he did during his NBA career. Now he's pretty much a spokesperson for everybody. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Right. All right. The My favorite one, predictions for 2023. Oh, that's good. Because mm-hmm. we haven't been wrong on a prediction. I feel like you have, but I what? haven't. What do you mean? You know. what I do? I just like making you feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I did it. I did it. <laughs> okay. I mean, how bold do you want to go? So I've got a theory. It's not a prediction, but it's a theory that I think will play out. Okay. Okay. So the average like reception. Yeah, prediction's harsh. But it, okay, I'll make a prediction. Fuck it. Mm-hmm. But I'll put an asterisk on it that I do believe that that a geopolitical event can change this. Yeah, of course. Okay. That's like saying the Warriors are going to championship barring injury, though. Uh, did you mumble that whole thing? What did you say? The Warriors could win a championship barring injury. Oh, that's that was the first time? Yeah. Yeah, I did not get that. Yeah. Um, so, recessionary economies typically last on average 12 to 18 months. I believe that after 14 years of artificial interest rate deflation... And what has clearly been the longest run-up in American history, that we there is an argument that the average recessionary economy should be, whatever we're dealing with now should be longer than the average recessionary economy, mm-hmm. longer than 18 months. If our underlying supposition is right, that the two negative quarters of GDP growth will really truly be the kickoff, and that January 1st, 2022 was a kickoff, the beginning of the recessionary economy. The National Bureau of Economic Research will come out in 2023 and say that we've been in a recession since then. I truly believe that we'll start to see uh, some optimism in the markets again in probably July after a really bad first two quarters for the economy. Okay. I believe we'll look back on this and say we were in a recessionary economy for 18 months to two years. So optimism in the markets. Are you saying that you're predicting that the Fed's going to pivot? I think, I don't, so 
they'll be done hiking rates, but they'll be holding from there on out. So I've got a, a I, it's hard for me not to have a bias on this answer mm-hmm. because I know the stress that this is putting on the banking system. Mm-hmm. What you're going to wind up seeing is banks pull back from lending hard, not because there's credit issues, which has been uh, this kind of mysterious enigma-like thing that all these economists are pointing to. So well, there's no credit issues, so banks are going to be fine. Right. True. But what do banks have a responsibility to do? Mm. They have a responsibility to make money off the money that they're taking in deposit-wise. Right. If they can't do that, what do they do? They wait. Yes. They slow down lending. They try not to shrink their balance sheets. Right. So what are they going to do? They're going to say, okay, well, if the Fed's increasing interest rates at a historic pace, we know the terminal rate's been alluded to being north of 5.3%. Yep. That includes effectively two more or one more, one more 50 basis, fifty basis point interest rate hike or two more 25 basis interest rate hikes. Yes. After the two that are planned for February and March at 25 basis points each. Yep. Banks are saying, okay, well, interest rates are going to continue to rise, which means our deposit costs are going to continue to rise. We have to offer more money to get deposits in the door, which means we have to make 2% over that, let's just say, to, for our net interest margin to, on loans. But yet, your deposits reprice instantly, and your loans take a lot of time to reprice. Exactly. So why make loans going to take longer to reprice? Mm-hmm. Makes sense. You wait. I think the banking system stress is going to be potentially untenable for the Fed. Now, the Fed... If Jerome Powell is truly looking at Volcker, who caused a double-dip recessionary economy, mm-hmm. I would say they're not going to cause a double-dip recessionary economy that we're going to know about being in, but they certainly could drive a recession into a much longer period of time. I don't know what the Fed's going to do. Nobody's got a crystal ball. Right. But what I do know is there's going to be some heavy, heavy conversations by July about do we, do we start to cut rates, even though we said we weren't going to? Mm-hmm. Do we pull back? Do we stop increasing? Should the terminal rate not be 5.3%? They're, they're going to have to make some really, really tough decisions because the stress on the banks will wind up being the stress on the consumers. And we've already seen consumer debt mounting. Right. And I think those conversations and that hesitation, whether they do it or not, and I don't know, there's a lot of there's a lot of finger pointing to, to Volcker where you can say that Jerome Powell is going to push through. He's going to honor his commitment. He's going to do it. Mm-hmm. He's going to push through. But I think that, that that hesitation in the rhetoric will give the optimism to the markets in July. They're going to say, okay, we've been to the worst now. It was a terrible six months. Good times might be ahead. And there'll be a lot of a lot of optimism, just like we saw it, just, just went through. Right. People are like, oh, inflation's peaked. It's amazing. And it's like, dude, we haven't done anything yet. Right. Like this, is, The Fed has literally said, like, hold on. Yeah, the Fed has said, hold on. They predicted that the unemployment rate by the end of next year will be only at 4.6%. That shows you that they know how laggy that indicator is. Yeah. So I don't. I feel that until the economic distress gets so high and unemployment reaches a number so high, they won't pivot. He, I mean, he cited Volcker over and over again, right? So unless that CPI, PCE number is really trending down at a historically fast pace no it's actually going to slow down velocity of uh, i know it coming will. down over time will yeah. slow down as you get closer to two or three so uh, i'm saying unless it does that which we i don't think it will then i think that rates are gonna he's gonna hold it through all of next year so if you do that you're forcing a much deeper recession mm-hmm. than we probably would have went through organically if you would have if not you would have backed off because you could easily in theory argued Let's back off a little bit Fed monetary policy. Let's get some loans back in the market. Let's let's keep liquidity where it's at and let's let's do what they're doing. The whole point of this quantitative tightening, increasing the Fed 
Fed rates, you're, you're trying to increase unemployment, mm-hmm. drop wages, pull liquidity out of the market. Mm-hmm. Okay. So far, you've pulled liquidity out of the market. Banks are feeling it. Yeah. You haven't dropped wages significantly, and unemployment hasn't risen significantly. Right. In a perfect world, you get to the end of 2023, you got a four point something percent unemployment rate, and you say, okay, now we're ready to start cutting rates because we know unemployment will continue to rise after the end of a recessionary economy. Yep. But you have to understand the Fed's not architecting a recession. They're architecting a return to, to basic metrics for a barometer. Yeah. So but they don't care if they're in a recession or not. Right, yeah, it's exactly. But where I think he really dropped the ball or, um, or it was just an evil genius is he put out that target rate of, you know, 2-3%. No, that wasn't him. Well, well he's, but he's maintained it. And he's continued to say Bernanke made that official in 2012. Yeah. So the target rate was always approximately about 2%. Right. That was adopted in 1996. And then in 2012, Bernanke made the 2 to 3% target rate official. Official. And then now Jerome Powell is doubling and tripling down on it, mm-hmm. saying that's, that's our target rate. We're trying to get to that. Right? So Bernanke is only the second Fed secretary after, I'm sorry, after Bernanke, Jerome Powell is only the second Fed Secretary after him. Was he yelling before that? Yeah, it was yelling. Bernanke yelling, I think, and then Powell. Was that right? right? Yeah. Right. So there, this hasn't been tested a long time. Right. And you think about the, the death in between, mm-hmm. 14 years. So that's why I think he, he's going to hold it all throughout next year is because he's continuously cited that 2 to 3% mark. And in order to get that, he's going to need to, look, I, te- I told you guys 2 to 3% mark. I need to see enough evidence to show that we're trending downward mm. to yeah. get there. And maybe maybe that that evidence turning downward comes comes along, but I do think that we're going to get a declared recessionary economy in 2023, and I do think that it should go back to to January first, 2022, and I think that will be a very polarizing announcement. And then we can come out and say, "I told you so." You know, I feel like that would be juvenile and totally appropriate for the show. A hundred percent. Yeah, we're gonna. I'm gonna be all over that. Day I'm one. gonna dry hump the shit out of that headline yeah. on the show. I'm gonna post. I'm gonna do your repost, and you can repost my post, and then we could just, just keep reposting back yeah, and forth all day long. Yeah, yeah. Tag everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Mark Zandi, Lawrence Yoon, everybody. Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey, all day. Yeah, the you, whole team. Every economist. Every yeah. economist was like, "Well, I don't know, man." I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are other signs out there that aren't flashing red, and we don't know. Uh, come on, Market Watch. Yeah, it, 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 it's not that recessionary economy. The White House came out, man. <laughs> come on, man. And I don't know. All the realtors. Meanwhile, us morons are like, no, it's a recession. Yeah, come on, guys. Yeah, it's a recession. You want to know how I know? <laughs> yeah. Because there's two decades of quarter GDP growth. Done. Done. Every Easy. single time. Uh. Last 10 recessions. Why is it different now? 10 out of 10. Hey, because, I don't know, man. It's different now. It's different. Yeah, I know. If I made ten free, th- sure. if I made ten free throws in a row, am I gonna make the eleventh? The odds are high. The odds are high. The odds are very high. Yeah. Is there a sandwich in the background? <laughs> <laughs> Fat guy shaking. What? Yeah. I gotta tell you, if I was in the NBA and I saw some stuff they see behind a free throw line, come on, I, man. I, 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 I would have to point at it. I got yeah. ten seconds. I got ten <laughs> seconds to shoot the free throw. I'm gonna point at him. Yeah. <laughs> let's not take the, this whole characterization of you being in the NBA too far. Come on, yeah, man. You, I was good enough. I just didn't have the height. You, <laughs> why does every short person say that? I was I was there. Every short person says that. I, you know, if I would have been a little bit taller, man. If I had your man, height, man, I'd be really, I'd be amazing, man. Man, if you would, oh no, dude. If I was there, if I had your height, goddamn, you wasted that shit. What happened? I didn't waste it. Honestly, thing. let's go back. Take what? a trip down memory lane. I don't want to do it. Where do you think you went wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I know you tried, bitch. I, hey, uh, listen, don't act, don't act, don't sit here and act like you didn't try. 
don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I didn't think so. Oh, so what do you think? What, what do you think went wrong? What do you think? What, what oh, do you we think can talk wrong? about it on the next episode. <laughs> I don't think I really understood like health and fitness until well after I, I I didn't really start truly training until after I stopped playing. Yeah, that's another level of training. Yeah, if I would have trained like I do now back then, but I always had a crazy ass metabolism and shitty nutrition. Yeah, which is like a deadly combo. I was skinny as fuck. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm, I'm probably close to 100 pounds heavier than I was. Yeah, your, I was your first step was also really slow. I remember. <laughs> That's not true. Come on. That's not true. <laughs> That's mean. Why would you say that? Come on, man. Huh? Just having fun. You know it's true though. That's not true. It's it was slow. It was not slow. It was very your first step. I would get by you every time. Every time we would play, just right by you to the bucket. Because you're so short, I can block you from behind, bro. <laughs> but you never did. I don't have to play defense with you. Come on. <laughs> you want to know why? Why? Because you you basically round. <laughs> I am the basketball? Bro, you were thick. Yeah, No, like, I was, was not, bro. Was I was get... ripped, bro. Come on. Don't were, do this. No, what world were you ripped in? I'll show you right show now. Show me one photo. You uh, have that on your phone? Sure. Look, I'm flexing for you right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners can't see. <laughs> Jesus. I'm going to be honest, man. Like you weren't exactly you weren't exactly a threat. Come on, I was the threat. Stop. They have my number. The shooter right there. Every time I stepped on the floor, I'm tall enough to where I can block you standing in front of that jump. No, seriously, I'm not. I'm not lying. Notre Dame came out to scout me multiple times. Did they really? Really? They didn't come out to scout me. I know. Arizona. Arizona too. Arizona State. Listen, I don't need any fanboy stuff in the background. Okay? Yeah, we're not paying you to make Notre Dame, no. Arizona State, Azusa, Chapman. Well, I'm glad people came look. Honestly, I don't think anybody ever came to look at me. Really? Yeah. Mm. I had people vouching for me though. What does that mean? So my my coach at the time knew that if he put my actual you know height on on the rosters, then no one would come out and check. But he knew that I was good enough to play for some of these teams. So he lied on the rosters and said I was six three. So people would come because they would see my stat line. I would have like thirty point games, like seven threes, whatever. And so they oh man, this guy and he's six three. I gotta go watch this kid. And they would come out and get disappointed. He's only five eight, five nine. And then, sure enough, they go. They'd have to pass. But I was good enough to play with for some of these guys. So they came out. The stat line proved for itself. So I had a coach, uh, Brown. I don't know what happened to this dude. I, 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 this is not me making excuses. He was so clearly a racist. It was unbelievable. No, oh. so clearly a racist. Terrible. And and I, I don't know if we bonded towards the end or not. Like he, um, he would. He was just ruthless with me. Mm-hmm. Like he would make if I had if I didn't run like like a certain pace or everybody else he would make me stay afterward and run and I ran extra miles every and nobody else in the team it was just me mm-hmm. he made me ran extra miles every single day he was hard practice. on you he was unbelievably harsh on me and he um I'll never forget he felt he even felt bad at one point started running miles with me wow because he would, he would like every every time you don't do this you run a mile and it just got bad and I remember as as I got older in high school and some of my athleticism came out. There was nobody on my team who was dunking. Like I had to do throw me a lob, and I broke inadvertently broke a backboard dunking it. Yeah, and he made me clean. He, instead of like looking at like like Are you okay? Like Are you alright? And I got yeah. you know, it, it was a pretty big hit. He gave me like a he like walked over, gave me a brush, shoved me, and told me to clean it up. Clean it up, right? Wow. Mind you, like in high school, this is stuff that urban legends are made out of. Like this dude broke a backboard, like it was a big yeah, deal. Yeah, exactly. I was penalized for this kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, that's crazy. So like he made no effort. A lot of a lot of this no stuff, effort dude, has to, to do recruited. with like being the right system, the right place. Yeah, I, I guarantee you, if I would have had like the right people around me back then yeah. who actually wanted to see me like go, I know I would I would have I would have had a different trajectory. A hundred percent. And I, I will say I did grow into my athleticism late. Like I was in my like mid twenties before I really started to figure things out. Yeah, 
exactly but you know i mean it is what it is i don't i don't look back on any regrets i'm, I'm happy where i'm at and exactly. i look at i look at some of the decisions so i i made the conscious decision to stop playing basketball um for a number number of reasons but i knew that my earning potential if i focused on what i was doing would be higher and honestly league minimum back then was like 350 yeah i don't know to. i don't know what the league minimum is now like 800 900 like 800 900 so yeah, let's have the intern look it up yeah, intern. That's that's your cue. You, look, you <laughs> get on your phone, Google Google league minimum salary. So here's what I'll throw out: is I look at nine twenty five. Okay, so, so I was right there. So I make more than league minimum now. Right. Okay. So for perspective, I would have never been a star player given my. And how long would that career have lasted? How like I would be retired by now. Yeah. So like, and I would have only been a league minimum player year after year, pretty much the entire time. Scrambling for a scouting job. Yeah. So rather than go that route, I said, okay, I, I can make more money. I believe that I can make more money in business and I'd have more longevity. Yeah. And that bet paid off. Yeah. I did. And to be honest with you, I don't miss basketball at all. Really? I haven't literally touched. I went in the gym the other day. I saw a buddy of mine shooting around in the gym. When mm -hmm. I, was, I normally lift weights there. I do cardio. I don't, I don't even look at the basketball court. Right. I saw him in there and I fed him the ball. I was just like, well, he was shooting. I, was yeah. I just fed him the ball. He did like, you know, he was shooting back and, back and forth around the arc. Right. I didn't shoot once. I didn't have a desire to. No kidding. Yeah. I still desire I just still desire to shoot just to shoot in like an open gym. But outside that I have no desire to play five on five because I think not too long ago, like six months ago, I went back to the gym and I played and it was it was kind of weird. That competitive spirit still came yeah, out. Yeah, it comes out, but your body can't move like that no more. And like you're still and you still your body still remembers all the moves because you understand you remember all the pattern Mine recognition. Doesn't. Mine's stuck on stupid. No. Like it, it, it hits like full reject. Like I, I do mean. I do all the same moves and by the end of it I could swear I could feel my Achilles ready to pop. I'm like, oh, I, I did that too. The fuck am I, I doing? I, I jumped one day, like a couple times. I was just this. This is like when right before when I stopped playing, like a couple months afterward, I was jumping up and down, like doing stuff. And I was probably like at the time sixty pounds lighter than I'm now, and yeah. I can still dunk two hands easy. Yeah, right. And I was dunking, having a good time. I felt great. Left, didn't get injured. I was all happy. Next day, I woke up. I could barely walk downstairs. I swear to God, yeah, it's different. Those barely walk. I'm like, yeah. this thing's gonna break. It's gonna <laughs> pop. I know. The those quick twitch muscles are different quick twitch i don't have anything in my body that's quick <laughs> yeah yeah i got different kind of twitches these days you know, <laughs> you know it's, it's all it's all it's all weird it's not the same that it once was right so i have a a last late christmas gift for the audience let's go i ran across something that i thought was so unbelievably unbelievably magnificent and i don't use that word it's not in my vocabulary i even stutter saying it because it's just not normal for me magnificent it's mm -hmm. magnificent that i wanted to share with you guys all on the way out of the show. So if you've, you've made it this far into the show and you're like, oh God, these guys are idiots talking about basketball, reliving their days, they're morons. Mm -hmm. We've got a present for you. Yes. I know it's first of the year. We got to start your year off right. So I thought, what better way than to frame the context of our relationship with other people than with a song? Boom. Let's go. All right, side sing. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to say goodbye now, but stay listening. As we play this part. So say say goodbye to the audience. Good night, everybody. Well, it, it might be day when they're listening to the show. Yeah, but, uh, but it's good night for us right now. I'd like to let everybody know it's 11 o'clock at night. Okay, well, one of us is actually a seasoned professional here. So <laughs> we hope that you have a wonderful 2023. You start your year off right. This is not me attempting to be Alex Hermosi. This is me being the sexier host of the show. <laughs> we will catch you on the next episode. And with that, my present to you. This is the problem with the soundboard. The intern's supposed to work it, and I, I did it myself. I believe it's this one. My bad. Bye. <laughs> hey, I run downstairs, but it feels like a nightmare. 
Nothing's the same, I know who to blame Dave Ramsey ruined Christmas this year Last year we had all the decorations And the brightest light display in town This year we had to be more creative Our tree is just a bush ripped from the ground I just made a gingerbread house That I can't eat until it's paid off That's not snow in the yard, it's cut up credit cards. Dave Ramsey ruined Christmas this year. Sleep in financial peace. House prices are gonna go up every year for the next five years. How do you know if you're ready to buy a house? Because if you're ready to buy a house, you need to buy now. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.